welcome to episode 69 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everybody, for this episode of the podcast, I recorded at the dark side of the con in Parsippany, New Jersey. I sat down with Emily Lazar, a.k.a. September of September Morning, and Rich Juswick, who had been on the show previously, uh, chimed in a bit from the background, also known as Riven in September Morning. Uh, it was great to, to get to see them again. They're always a great show. Uh, great to talk to them both. Uh, and, you know, and I got to say, at one point in the conversation, Emily starts to talk about NFTs uh, because I asked asked her about them uh, because that's very much a part of what they're doing with the, with the band these days. And I have to say, this is the, the, the first time that someone has explained NFTs to me in a way that made any goddamn sense at all. You know, we also talk a lot about the, the band and, and all of that. Um, and I really think that you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. Without further ado... Here's Emily. All right, what's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here at the dark side of the con with September from September Morning. How's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm great. It's been, uh, as I was just telling you off off the recording, it's been a hell of a weekend. Yeah, Comic-Cons, of... man. They'll, yeah. uh, they'll do you in. <laughs> Drink <laughs> we, lots of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, and we couldn't even get a, a room in this hotel because by the time we decided to go, it was Booked sold out. out. So we yeah. were like down the road, which is closer than I thought it was going to be, but still added extra walking to the yeah, weekend. Yeah, <laughs> sucks being, yeah. being doing that, yeah. But, so I first became aware of you in 2014 when Rich Juswick joined your band September Morning. Before we get into that band specifically, though, mm-hmm. can you tell me about sort of your journey in music up until that point? Yeah, um, I got signed really young uh, to a pop label. Um, I did a couple pop records and got signed to two major indies and pop and then I like finished those deals and I was supposed to go be flipped to another one and I ended up wanting to like write my own songs and stuff like that and like be my own kind of artist and I was getting really heavily into rock and so I was kind of pushing that direction and that wasn't really what they were seeing for me so I ended up just kind of like starting something new and that became that ended up becoming September morning a couple years later and um, it basically started with the graphic novel the storyline which I started writing in like 2009 but wasn't published till like 2014 and it took all of that time from 2009 to 2014, like five years to like put the band together, like figure out the, the sound, the songs, the actual lineup. And then 2014, we really started touring heavily and like putting everything together. Uh, 2015. 2015, sorry, 2015. <laughs> Actually, we Rock Engine download. Oh, I thought 2014, okay, 2015, sorry, 2015, yeah. All right, so. and I mentioned Rich, who's kind of chiming in from the background. <laughs> uh, you know, he joined the band, I believe, around that time, 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. Um, what made you want him to be involved? Um, he was leaving Gemini at that time, and I knew how, like, he started that band and put everything together. Like, he made that band work from the ground up. It was his thought process, his idea from the start, that whole, whole thing. Like, everything from the look of it to the the symbol to everything was right, rich, right. you know? He wrote the first album, you know, so he was that band. So, like, for me... Um, him leaving that band was a great opportunity for me because I, I saw somebody who was like a founder and creator of something that could have been like really successful. And I thought this is the guy that I'd want to be my partner in something that I want to make really successful. 
when my manager found out that he was leaving, he was like, you have to get rich. Because he knew how, like, how rich was a powerhouse, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, he really is. And he's always been that way. He's always been, like, really smart and talented and proficient and work ethic, like me, like, same sort of work ethic. So, like, we really gelled like that. And we think about, like, art and, and music the same way. So it was just a really good fit. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, now, you mentioned the graphic novel. You know, obviously, September Warning is more than just a band. It's a full-fledged multimedia project with the graphic novel. I remember reading that there was a proposed web series at one point. Yeah, and, MTV, yeah. And, the, you know, the music seems to be this vehicle to tell this overarching story. Mm-hmm. How does this approach impact the songwriting as opposed to a band that's less thematic? I mean, it's it's basically, like, everything kind of stems from a center character and, like, what she's feeling and, and how that, like, revolves in the story and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it does come from personal pl- places, like, things that I've experienced or somebody around me in my orbit has experienced. So, but that, that all can kind of translate into the character. The, the character is interesting because she is a soul reaper. Like, she takes souls, but she also gives people second chances at life. But when she takes a soul... She gets all of their memories and all of their emotions and, like, everything that they've been through in their life, like, all in, like, three seconds or something like that. So if she's a soul collector and she's been doing this for a while, like, you can imagine that she has, like, a plethora of imagination to draw from when it comes to songwriting, right? Right, right, So, like, so there's – so I can basically talk about anything with her because – She's been through everything because she's collected all these souls. So like that, I wanted to do a character that was like that so I wouldn't have to be super pigeonholed into lyrics and stuff like that for the story. I could be some, it could be somebody that could write about like emotion more. And um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. Alrighty. Now you have a long established relationship with Sahaj from the band Ra, who's co-written songs and been involved in the production side of most if not all of the music yeah. that you've released so far. Can you tell me a bit about that relationship and what he brings to the table that another producer might not? Um, Sahaj basically like cultivated me like with songwriting. Like I came to him really green when I was writing songs and he kind of like helped me find my voice in songwriting. And he helps craft things. And, and if I come to him with an idea, lyrics and this and that, the other thing, he'll be like, this is good. Like, what if we did this? Like, he's good to bounce things off of to create what I feel like I want to create. Like, the version that I would come up with when he's involved and when Rich is involved, it's like it gets to another level. And that's what you want when you have writing partners. Right, right. So, yeah. He's, he's amazing. He's great. All right. And... Now that that Ra is more active again in touring and recording, is he still going to be as involved with you as he's been in the past? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like okay. we're we're good friends, and he's family at okay. this point. So you know. All right. So uh, in addition to performing with September Morning, you're also supposed to be giving a panel discussion about NFTs. Yeah. Can you tell me about your involvement with NFTs and perhaps explain to the audience what they are? <laughs> yeah, sure. So an NFT is a non-fungible token. It's a type of tech that can be attached to anything from like music to art. It's blockchain tech. So let me let me put this away that would be very layman's terms. So the blockchain, if you don't know what blockchain is, it's basically like a public Excel spreadsheet where everybody can see everything that's happening on it. So um, that being said, it is total transparency. And 
if you know the music business, it's total non-transfer. <laughs> if you want to know where the money goes in the music business, there's no way to follow the money. <laughs> like it's very hard to follow the money. On the blockchain, you follow the money easily. Um, you also follow the exchange of hands and things like that for certain things. So for artists, it's, it's a really important tool because when you're selling direct to consumer without a third party, they're not taking a piece of what you're selling. Right. Um, so the artist gets the reaps the benefit and the reward of the financial security of everything that they sell. And because of how the blockchain works and how everything, when it's put onto the blockchain, it's there forever. Right. Let's put it like this. If I was Picasso and I sold you one of my paintings back in the day, yeah. and you got it and Picasso got bigger and bigger and you ended up selling it, you bought the painting for a grand from yeah. me, right? You sell it to Rich for $500,000 like five years later because Picasso got bigger. I would never see any of that money. But right. on the blockchain, because it's in the ledger and my wallet address is attached to the um, NFT. When somebody sells my piece to somebody else, I get 10% of that sale automatically. Oh, wow. So that's in perpetuity. So if it flips and flips and flips and flips and flips, I'm constantly getting royalties. Okay. So it's transparent royalty exchange without a third party. Spotify gives us, what, 0 0.003 cents per stream. Right. You need to make, I think, a million streams to make $3,000 on Spotify. Most bands don't make a million streams in like a day or a week right, right. or a month. So if you break that down into how many people that are writing it and, and this and that, the other thing, and, and where the money goes, like that's not a lot of money right, at right, all. Right. But with NFTs, if I sell like something for 150 bucks and my song for 150 bucks, I get that 150 bucks. Right. And then I get 10% of that in perpetuity as long as it flips. And nobody else gets that. It gets directly to me. So the third the the dissolvement of the third party is like really really important moving forward in artists like in their financial system. And right now, if you look at the financial system of artists, it is the the breakdown is platform is up top and artists is on bottom. Right. Platform, then it gets dissolved, the financials get dissolved to the artist. In NFTs, it's artist and then the dissolvement to platform. Right. It's a total opposite, and that's why it's so important. So as long as the space grows and more artists come in and realize this, they will understand that they can make astronomical amounts of more money than they are right now through NFTs. And that's kind of like the basis of, of what NFTs can do as a as a vehicle for finance um, for artists and that's why it's so important okay. um, you know the devaluation of music has been a thing for like 30 years about now right you know it started with like CDs and then it went to downloads stream and then it went to streaming and in that you know, it used to be you paid like $30 for a record. Right. And maybe, and the, the breakdown, even from platform to artist, wasn't so bad. So the artist still could get these six-figure record deals. Now you're getting like four-figure record deals because like it's not $30 anymore. It, nobody buys anything physical anymore. It's streaming. It's $10 a month. Right. You do the math. Like there's no money there for an artist. So we need a platform where the valuation is put back into the music, it's put back into the art, and that is on the blockchain. So okay. that's kind of how it works. And that pretty much seems to be the answer to the 
question that I ask everybody that's on the show about how they, I mean, you kind of are, but if you have anything else to elaborate about how you feel about where things are with the music industry in that the, the current model, you know, nobody buys anything. It's, it's not it's, working. <laughs> it's, not, it, it's working for the consumer, kind of, but what I've learned through NFTs is if consumers of your music love your music, they will pay for your music. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, in, in NFTs, you don't need... There's a vanity metric that's been pushed on us and forced on us in the music industry. Vanity metric just means that like, oh, you have a million followers on Instagram, you have a million this, you have, you have a hundred thousand followers on this platform, but that's a vanity metric. It doesn't mean anything. Right, right. Like some, you can buy those vanity metrics. People can buy spins on Spotify. You can buy people on Instagram. Yeah, like yeah. nobody really knows how many followers followers you. There's no transparency over there. The blockchain, you can't hide. Right. You have 500 collectors. You have 500 fucking collectors. You can't do a vanity metric over there. You right. have to do what you do, which means that. You don't need a million collectors over there. One of the highest selling artists in NFTs right now is somebody that I did a collaboration with, and his name is Sabat. And he is, I think he has a thousand collectors. Okay. And I can't even tell you how many millions he's made. Wow. And that's with a thousand collectors. Because his art flips, it sells, it flips. It like, you know, he keeps on putting out pieces. He's doing generative projects. He's doing all this sort of stuff. I've learned a lot from his business model. I was the first female rock metal musician to mint and sell an NFT on the blockchain. So I kind of go down in history like that. Right. And I'm really pushing this dynamic of technology because, like I said, this is like NFTs equal freedom for artists. It's kind of like this. The music industry wants, to, wants you to think that there are a bunch of rats in, in a room and there's a little piece of cheese. That's what they want you to think. Yeah. In NFTs, you realize that there's a bunch of rats in the room, but the whole fucking room is made of cheese. And that's the difference. So you have an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mindset. Right. And scarcity is what they teach us in music. That's what they teach us in, in everything because they want, they, that's a control issue for them. That means they have control of the industry. Without that mindset, without artists being like, oh, they don't have control of you. So when they don't have control of you, look at what we're doing. And look at what we're doing in NFTs. If you look at the environment over there and you look at the people that are excelling and how we're excelling and how we're building it and how we're helping each other and how people aren't like so like, oh, I'm not going to tell this person what I'm doing. No, we're, we're all sitting in rooms on Clubhouse and Twitter spaces sharing alpha all the time, information. Hey, how did that work for you? How does that work for you? How do you do this? We're all in it together because there's no scarcity over there. There's abundance. Right. And the more that you push that, the more people will come in. And guess what? There's more cheese in the room if more people come in. Right, right. You know? So that's the mindset. And, and we really need to switch our way of thinking. But it's a, it's a whole process for people to do that. It took me a minute to figure that out during the pandemic. I literally had to switch the way I was thinking about art. But I did. Right. And now I'm doing very well with it. Awesome. So, like I said, we're at the dark side of the con. This con is a bit more music-oriented than most, so it's not surprising to see you playing here. But you have also played it at Comic-Cons in the past. Do you get a different audience reaction in, like, a Comic-Con room versus, like, playing a club? Yeah. It's like cons are full of people. Well, usually. I don't know about this one. What? Rich, you want to say something? I would say that at the cons, it's not a popularity contest. It's literally just... They look at it and they listen to it and they're like, they're into it or they're not. You know what I mean? Like, 
if they think the show's cool and the music's cool, they like it. They're, they're not worried about social media and name dropping and, you know, this band hanging out with that band and just all the vanity stuff. They don't care, you know, the cons just appreciate whatever art's in front of them and just take it. I think that comes from, it probably stems from what I was going to say is I, it, it, at cons, like, especially comic cons, I'm not sure about this one, I've never done this one before, but at the comic cons we've played at, and it's kind of like an NFTs. Those people are collectors. Right. They like to collect things. That means that they are invested in the IP. And when you're invested in an IP, it's kind of like you're in the world. And I'm a world builder. If you look at September Morning, I've built a world. Even in the NFTs that I've done have been world building for September Morning. I mean, it, it's all encompassed in right. everything. And when you look on the stage tonight, what you'll find is September's Monsters, which is a variant storyline based on the NFT project we did called September's Monsters that sold out. So, and that's a generative project that redefines music distribution through the blockchain. In my generative project, the NFTs that I sell, each NFT grants you access to my music in perpetuity to download. So if you hold the NFT, you get free music for life. Oh, okay. And you get free graphic novels, and you get free comic books. You get whatever I put into that download channel that's token-gated on my Discord, and you can get into if you hold a September's Monster. You get whatever I put in there for free for life, as long as you hold it. Wow. That is music distribution at its finest. And I do that because... You pay a set amount, and then you can flip it if you want or whatever. But I know that with even with that set amount, if I, if I sell a vanity metric of even a 1,000, I've made more than I will make on Spotify probably for, like, 10 years. Wow. So why would I care? You know what I'm saying? But, um, but that being said, going back to the collector issue, like Rich said, if they like it and they think it's cool, they want to invest in that IP. And you want people that invest in your IP. Now, we had, we had talked a bit before the pandemic and just and just being aware of the band and everything you guys before covid hit were working on and, and planning volume four which we released some of right well i was gonna say i, I some some songs have been released but i haven't seen the, a full album come out does that have a, a planned release date or we have a whole plan release on it but we're doing it through well i don't really want to say what we're doing yet. okay but but it's going to be an interesting way of releasing it. It's going to be different. We're okay. going to do it a different way. It will happen this year. It will happen this year. And, but um, the way we're going to do it is a lot different. And it's more in tune with the way I'm thinking about the music business and, and how I want to pursue the music business from here on out. So, All right. Yeah. Excellent. So it seems like you guys have a substantial amount of touring going on this year. You're, cur you're currently out with Orgy after that. You guys are going out with Ross, Digit Apart, and Killikoy in May and June. What's next for you and the band beyond that? Um, I don't think we've announced. I, I can say everything that's announced. Oh, okay. Well, Rich has the announcements. <laughs> okay. So we're doing a bunch of um, one-off shows in April with the Lonely Ones. So we start with them next week, and then, then we go to Anchorage, Alaska for Arctic Comic Con. And then Another the week after that, we go to Minneapolis for Anna Minneapolis. And then... Anime Midwest. Well, no. And then in, in May, we do the shows with Ra and Killikoi and Stitch Apart. And then uh, 4th of July weekend, Anime Midwest in Chicago. Then we're about to announce like about a week or two worth of shows with someone that I can't say yet. Okay. But that's the end of July. And then uh, in August, we're doing a couple festivals in Wisconsin, Michigan, Missouri. And then there's like one-off shows with like with Ra, 
uh, Smile Empty Soul, Tantric, and then we just confirmed another festival in October, but I can't say what it is yet. Okay, cool. So, so very busy. Way busier than I thought we were going to be. I thought I was going to be like, hey, here's two weeks of shows, and there's another two weeks of shows, and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you mentioned the Lonely Ones. I hope that that comes through Jersey since they had to cancel the show they were supposed to have yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have the same agent, so the likelihood of us doing more with them is pretty high. And awesome. they're from Columbus, and I'm in Cincinnati, so they're two hours away. From, we, we have two hours away from each other home bases. So. Awesome, awesome. Well, that, that is all I've got for you guys today. I want to thank you for the time, and, and uh, I can't yeah. wait to see the show again. Yeah, it'll be fun. This one's so fun. Everything's going to work. Yay!
And with one of their latest singles, that is September Morning with Dirty. I want to thank Emily and Rich for being on the show. It's great to see you guys again. If you guys all want to follow them on social media, you can follow the band September Morning on Facebook and Instagram at September Morning. And on Twitter at September Morning, but it's spelled a little wonky. It's S-E-P-T-M-B-R-M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. You can also follow Emily on Twitter and Instagram at EmilyLazar underscore S-M. And you can follow Rich on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Jeswick. You can also follow the J. Bunnings Music Hub podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget we also have a Patreon that's looking for subscribers. And if you believe in supporting music the way that I do, by buying it, then follow the Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter, at Industry Embers, and make sure to tweet and post your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. As far as what's next for the podcast, I do have some... I do have a particular artist that I am trying to figure out booking something with it hasn't been working out so far but i'm going to keep trying uh because um it'd be very important for somebody that's very special to me if i can get this interview booked um i do also have some other uh, people sort of waiting in the wings we're just waiting to set something up um so definitely look for more content as the days and weeks go on um, now i do also before i forget you know rich had mentioned in the interview that they had some touring coming up with a band that he could not uh, reveal um, it has since been revealed that that tour is going to be with the band bisto blanco and it does look like they are going to be coming back to new jersey uh in late july um so can't wait to see them back in the area i think that that is about all that i've got for you guys today um i am going to leave you with uh the latest single from september morning this is mausoleum until next time guys Thank you.